0: Well, welcome everybody to On Your Way Out. This is the second episode, and um, I am joined today by Neil Carson. And Neil is actually somebody that I met. It's kind of funny. So we met what two or three months ago. I don't know how yep. long ago it was, and we shared in like a pretty intense spiritual discussion, <laughs> prayer session. <laughs> like it was, pr- it was pretty intense. And then I have never talked to you since. Yep. And I remember <laughs> thinking after that, I was like, Neil is somebody that I would love. to to get to know better and hear some of his uh, stories, um, and basically ask some of the questions that, that we're going to ask you today. Yeah. So thank you for being with us, man. This is an honor. This, yeah. is, this is the fun stuff right here. Yeah. So Talk to me about, just for, for people that don't know, what's your connection even to, to Toby, who we know getting to know now as our interim pastor?
1: Yeah, Toby, um, so I grew up in this West Michigan area, um, went to Holland Christian, then went to Hope College, in um, in a very brief way, without going into the details, honestly, it was at Hope College where I really came to know Jesus mm-hmm. uh, myself, and as he, I was like, all right, my life isn't my own anymore. Ended up going to seminary, um, and soon after that, became a pastor in the area. And so then, with, with Toby being a pastor in the area, me being a pastor in the area, our, you know, circles would just overlap from time to time, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Toby was always a guy who was willing to think a little bit outside the box, and that's kind of where I was as well, so um, at different points, we just have these conversations, and yeah, so Toby's awesome. I love him as a brother.
0: Yeah, 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 that's cool. I think that's, those are the types of people that you want in your life where, like, they, you can push each other and to think differently about ministry, because otherwise, when you're Stagnation is never good when you're in this kind of thing because you always want to be pushing forward. And I think you need people that encourage yeah. you and push you in those ways, right?
1: You, you do. And the stagnation is easy for
0: any of us to fall into. Yeah, for never. sure. So I would love for you maybe to talk about just maybe on a 30,000 feet flyover of what yeah. big life is. So Neil is... Um, I don't know what your role is specifically, but um, you're part of uh, the ministry of Big Life. Maybe just explain your relationship with that and and maybe what just that's all about. Yeah, so Big Life as a ministry is basically, our our heart
1: is just to be disciples that intentionally go out and make disciples. And in that process, we want to teach those disciples how to go do the same, be disciples that go and make disciples. Mm -hmm. And in that process for us, we we teach people how to go and be the church in as simple of ways as possible. Mm -hmm. So... We don't do much of the brick-and-mortar sort of building stuff. We just, whether it's in homes, whether it's under a tree, um, wherever, you know, we get to be the Church as a people. It's not a thing that we, we go to. And so as a ministry, it really started in very persecuted areas. So it started with a couple of guys who were just, uh, the, the Lord touched them significantly. They were lukewarm in their faith. The guy who started the ministry, his name is John Harrima. He was a business owner down in Naples, Florida, successful, um, but was lukewarm, went to this huge uh, 10,000-member church, and this little old lady came up to him and said, you should be part of the missions team here, and uh, his thought was, I have two cousins who are missionaries and they're both weirdos. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But she gave him this book, and the book was called Unveiled at Last, and in that book there uh, was—it's primarily about reaching Muslims in the 1040 Mm -hmm. window. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, he went home, he's like, I should, I'm going to see this, this woman again at church, I should start reading it, so I could tell her, I started reading the book that you gave me. He started reading it, and the Holy Spirit just fell upon him, and mm-hmm. just rocked him, and gave him a heart for the least, the last, and the lost. Um, and with that then, um, he ended up joining that missions team. They basically then said, hey, let's go to Turkey to pray for the people of Iran, that sounds really weird to me. I don't know if that sounds weird to, to you, sure. but it sounds really strange to me. And um, it sounded really weird to him as well. So he said, How about instead of going to Turkey to pray for the people of Iran, why don't we just go to Iran? Um, but you can't just get into Iran, um, hmm. it's just not that easy. Right. So him and a friend ended up getting into Iran by becoming the Iranian Olympic baseball coaches. What? And yeah, this is so this story could take up this whole uh, time. But, um,
0: did they have experience in that before?
1: No, well, they didn't baseball. Okay. They did they played a little bit of like college baseball, but it was just one of these crazy God things. So they ended up going to Iran under this like guise of Iranian Olympic baseball coaches, but their hearts were to see Muslims come to know Jesus. Yeah. And they had no training. They didn't have any like missions training. They didn't have any like seminary training, stuff like that. These were just people who loved Jesus like crazy, and they're like, let's go and see what God wants to do. So they go there anyways, um, they get to see some pretty awesome things happen, but then 9-11 happened, mm. they got kicked out of the country, couldn't even get back in, um, the Lord opened up some doors into India, that was the first time that we got to see some stuff that we call movement, where got to see the gospel just spread from village to village to village, and disciples being made, and simple these simple churches being formed, and then um, the Lord opened up a door into some very persecuted areas such as Pakistan and Afghanistan, and um, got to see some of the, the, the people on the front edges of that work were people who um, were actually coming. They they were converts actually from the Taliban who came to know Jesus and wow. then um, gave their lives to Jesus. Some of our guys got to disciple them. The Lord gave them a word to go and reach uh, their Taliban brothers, um With Jesus Mm -hmm. and so they went in and did that and so those guys that's one of our fastest growing areas right now but um, and that's pretty much all underground really really beautiful crazy stories lots of sacrifice Um, Mm -hmm. but it's like reading the book of Acts um, straight away and um, and then from there the work that we do is highly empowering we want to see disciples that make disciples so then you hope to see a fire start, but you hope to see the embers shoot out of that fire and go and start fires in other mm-hmm. places. And then, by the by, the grace of God, I think when I came on board with Big Life, there was probably work in about a hundred, or there was work in about twenty-ish countries. And um, this isn't because of me that there's been all that all that growth or whatever, but just in the the little bit of time that I've been working on with them now, um, we're we're seeing work happened in about 130 countries now, and so, awesome. and then in the, um, me having grown up, of course, in the United States, um, just doing this work in, in our own backyard of being disciples, making disciples, yeah. and um, yeah, they, after a little bit, they asked if, if I would step into the role of being the director for our work throughout North America, hmm. so I get to work with, with our teammates and um, with others of just trying to see the harvest gathered in, seeing disciples made and multiplied, and teaching them Ought to be so the good. church in
0: simple ways. So good. I love the the focus on creating flames that are going to spread. Yeah. Um, talk to me a little bit about, you know, well, let, let me, I guess, first say, I think the reason why we wanted to bring you in to talk about some of these things is because I think the world that, you know, Big Life is a part of in, in that type of ministry feels foreign to like a centralized church or like the church that providence is um where we feel like you know well you know maybe that's not our specific calling or that's not our specific vision and i think we're starting to have conversations about moving not not necessarily onto that scale or in that particular way but just the emphasis on like we want to raise up leaders we want to make disciples who are then making more disciples um that's our mission statement yeah um, what is kind of your relationship with the Church, like maybe even specifically in West Michigan, and how you've had your ministry partner with churches, and how do yeah. you see your vision with Big Life um, interact with a church like Providence?
1: Yeah, of course, we we all get to be members of the body together, so together we get to be the Bride of Christ, mm-hmm. which is just, that's awesome, yeah. like that's sweet. Um, obviously, the ways that we're living some of that out definitely look a little bit different. Um but in that, like, I, I think in certain regards, hopefully we get to be a resource. We get to be kind of an encouragement. Um, this whole COVID time, of course, has—it's become our busy season. Right. Like, for, I think, a lot of other people, they're just, they're trying to figure out, how do you do this? What does this look like, you know? That's what you guys have been preparing this for. This is it. what we've been doing now for for quite a while. And I, I don't mean that in a prideful way, because we are still learning a ton. Sure. In um, But— for us now to, to get to help to resource even the the family around us of in a highly intentional focus towards not just being disciples ourselves that really become selfish with a lot of the things mm-hmm. we receive, but how do we truly live out, not just talk about living it out, but how do we truly go live out the aspect of being disciple makers? Yes. Um, and there's a, there's a huge difference towards being built up as a disciple oneself, but now the process of, of committing and saying, I'm not just called to be a disciple, which we all are, but I am also called to be a disciple-maker. Right. And that's where I, I hope that we're offering some, some stuff and some encouragement, some training, things yeah. along those lines, to see the rubber truly meet the road when it comes to that. Yeah. And for those who are interested, you know, we get we get the privilege to do this. It's not like we go around and charge people money to mm-hmm. to learn those things. It's mm-hmm. been shared with us freely. We try to share it with others
0: freely, and so, yeah. Awesome. I think one of the things that Toby is talking about this week is— and, and Dean shared this last week as well, talking about surrender um, yeah. and how being obedient to God— um, it means denying your flesh and that yeah. requires you it costs something, you know, like it costs yeah. something. Um
1: yeah.
0: I guess what, what is what has been your experience in that in, in the relationship between, you know, denying your flesh and the ability to really live out your faith and to live your life for the kingdom. And and what are maybe do you have any particular examples or stories of, of people, you know, I've had to like I've had to sacrifice for, for this to be true for me. Yeah, um,
1: I mean, I, I I could speak to that a little bit on on a macro level first, mm-hmm. and then dial it back to a much sure. more of a micro level. Because in a in a macro sense, the the people who really spur me on in a lot of this are our brothers and sisters overseas that are enduring persecutions of crazy kinds, and that's just life to them. Um, so over the past six years, we've had about seventy of our leaders martyred. Mm-hmm. Um, and to to get to walk alongside brothers and sisters in communities where that is normative. Martyrdom isn't normative, but the persecutions are normative. And to get to learn from them where to become a Christian, it's just known there is going to be sacrifice. Yeah. Whereas for us it's, it's a little bit different in this Western context. I think that those aspects are growing for us, but mm-hmm. it's not to the point of physical sorts of stuff sure. Um, and so to get to learn from them, to get to be encouraged by them, to be spurred on by them, um, really, those are the brothers and sisters who push me and my faith in my living this out here in West Michigan. Um, they've endured so much, and yet their love, their joy, their peace, some of those things are just so beautiful in the midst of that.
0: Mm-hmm. That changes your perspective, right?
1: It, it does. It's a, it's, a, it's a perspective changer when those are people who you're—like, I was, I was on call on, on a call right before coming here with mm-hmm. leaders of like what we would call movements of these things from all different countries who have either themselves endured hardships of many kinds or who have trained— Many people who have endured physical hardships and um, their determination, their passion, and yet in the midst of all that, it's not just like militant hard. There's also so much joy and peace yeah. that just resounds through right. these brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. And then that drives me to hear of saying like, here we don't, in, we don't encounter physical persecutions. But I I do try to encourage and help us to think the the sorts of persecutions that we face are are still very real, but they're much more of the social kind. Sure. So when somebody goes and begins really living out their faith in a really serious way, you're probably not going to get punched, you're not going to get beaten, you're probably Mm -hmm. not going to get thrown in jail, you know... It's up to the to the Lord whether those things are down the road a little bit for us or not, but right now, the sorts that we will face will be the social kind, and those will be a lot more of the like i'm I'm living out my faith passionately, but all my friends think I'm a weirdo mm-hmm. or now like my my family has asked me not to talk about faith when we get together mm-hmm. um I didn't receive that job promotion because I'm a believer, or even in some cases I got, I got fired for in don't get me wrong, I think there are places where we don't have to run around like the bull in the china shop and sure. go and just right. make people mad and right. then call it all persecution. Right. That's not what I'm talking right, about. Right. But the truth is that the the gospel and living out the things of the kingdom are in conflict with the ways of the world. right. And so Jesus doesn't say if persecution comes, he says when persecution comes. Mm -hmm. And so for us to live out our faith, our brothers and sisters overseas, that is a normative experience for them. For us here, I think it's easy for us to water down our faith and our walk with the Lord to make it so that we don't experience the social side of persecution.
0: Like we're not willing to take it to that step where maybe that persecution will come. Yes. And that could be evidence of the type of faith that we live. Yes. And it's interesting. And,
1: and the the tricky part again just to say it is I think that some people will go and do very inappropriate things and then call it persecution. And that's sure. not what I'm talking about. Sure. You know, in sure. that for us is even some of the disciples we walk with of coaching in some of those things of appropriate like like living out the kingdom mm-hmm. in also realizing, no, there are times where
0: you, you <laughs> were being inappropriate or you were being yeah. a jerk, you know? There's a difference and, between being persecuted and just like yeah. a normal rational response to you yeah. maybe being inappropriate. Yeah. Right? yeah,
1: but of actually realizing that for us as believers now, seeking first the kingdom is at conflict with the ways of the world. It says very mm-hmm. clear in the scriptures that... Um, love of the world is enmity with God. It's to be an enemy of the mm-hmm. of the Lord, to be an enemy of, of, of God. And so for us in this Western context, I think we're trying to flirt with both. Mm. We're trying to flirt with the world and like receive all the things of the world and simultaneously trying to flirt with the kingdom and we're... We're then finding many of us are finding ourselves in the middle and that's a lukewarm place. Mm-hmm. That's an apathetic place. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I think the sacrifice becomes back to your more boiled down <laughs> yeah. question of like the sacrifice becomes is are we willing as it talks about like in, in Corinthians, to be the foolish things of the world? To to be those things that the the world might look at and say, Man, these people are really weird. <laughs> we are weird. Yeah. Um, we should be. We we should be weird. But according to the Spirit and according to the kingdom, that's not weird at all. Mm-hmm. And that's because the kingdom is weird to the world, and the world should be weird to the kingdom. Yeah. And it, But there is sacrifice therein to live into that. And it's sacrifice of many kinds. It's not just... I just brought up persecution. Sure. That is That is one part of sacrifice.
0: But just even like comfort i think is a great example right like we we, i think that is probably in my opinion for myself when i speak about something that that i need to sacrifice in order to fully live out my faith for the kingdom is that sometimes it's even very subconscious. we don't even realize how true it is for us but like Part of like I think our human condition and, and being bound to our flesh is that we just want to be comfortable. I think, yep. and we and a lot of decisions that we make apart from Christ are just we just are trying to find comfort. Um, yep. The types of entertainment that we that we use, um, yeah, uh, like social, like the friendships that we do, the types of events that we go to, like we just yeah. want to fit in. We want to be comfortable. Um, that's like part of like our human nature is that we just want to be we don't want to be an outsider, we want to yeah. be included yeah. and that means that in some ways like we feel like we need to conform to like the world around us. Yeah. And and what we're being called to do is the opposite of that and yep. that is very scary. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I I want to be really clear even as we're talking about this that I am not living into this perfectly. <laughs> so sure. like I I'm, I'm just saying that flat out cuz I think sometimes we talk about these things in in I'm 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 striving, hopefully by the grace of God, I'm growing more into living this out. But I don't want to come yes. across like, hey, here I am, all high and mighty, right. living this out perfectly. Exactly. No, there's only one who lived this out perfectly, and mm-hmm. his name is Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and praise the Lord for His grace and mercy as we're all trying to grow into this more. But this is where the calling for us is to live into these things. And I think in this Western context where, like I said, we're trying to get the the aspects of the world, trying to live out the kingdom and try to live out both of those, we we lose out on a lot of that sacrifice. And mm-hmm. so for us, in our disciple-making whether it's somebody who wants to come and, like, if somebody approaches me or somebody around me or something like that and says, hey, I really want to learn more of what it means to actually follow Jesus, whether that's somebody directly from the harvest or whether that's somebody who's been professing Jesus for decades, one of the first things we'll actually have with them is almost like a count-the-cost conversation, and so, like, you go to Luke 14, and many of us know this scripture. Large crowds were following Jesus, and he turns to them, and, you know, he says a few really hard things, which we're not going to be able to dive into right now, you sure. know, the depths of what all those mean. But he says, if you do not hate your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, your wife, and your children, yes, and even your own life, you cannot be my disciple. He says, if you do not pick up your cross— You cannot be my disciple. And then he tells them to count the cost, and he compares it to building a tower. And he says, for which of you desiring to build a tower will not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, having laid a foundation and not being able to complete it, others will ridicule him and say, this man began to build, but was not able to complete it. And so, and then then at the end of that little section, he says, um, he says, uh, therefore, every Anyone who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. These are very strong statements, but he says this to the crowds. And um, the, the thing is that I think for those who are really like, I want to follow Jesus, it is a loving gesture for us to say to them, are you sure? Do you know what you're asking right now? You are asking to pick up your cross. You are asking to give up everything you're ask, you have. You're asking for the narrow road. Um, you're asking, like, even when we do baptism, the the symbol of baptism is you go down into those waters, you die to yourself, mm-hmm. you raise up in a newness of life empowered by the Spirit now, but now the Lord... Jesus is your Lord now; He's your Master. What He says goes, and that is the, a denial of oneself. Mm-hmm. I'm going to reiterate again: I'm not living into this perfectly, Same. but the calls from the Scripture are clear that, yeah. like, there is a denial of oneself and this. Should not be like something that hopefully we graduate unto when we when we get close enough. This is something right at the get-go from, that is the illustration from baptism. Yeah. Jesus spoke this to the crowds, you know? And then, of course, you have other hard statements. John chapter 6, it says, even those were following him, and Jesus speaks a hard word about, you must eat my flesh and drink my mm-hmm. blood. And it says, a bunch of them left. Yeah. And he even looked to his disciples then, and said, do you want to leave as well? And so, in all of this, Our brothers and sisters overseas, they know innately that I say yes to Jesus, they know that that means a life of sacrifice, of self-denial, of Mm -hmm. many kinds. For us here in the West, I think it's more important that we actually talk about this and we, we actually have conversations with those who are considering following Jesus, because for us it isn't as as tangible it's not as tangible or as overtly apparent as it is compared to our brothers and sisters in pakistan
0: right well that's interesting and i think that's something that i've i've thought about a lot as it relates to how our faith is played out in in a western context and maybe even west michigan's even pointing in on specifically to like this area where um I've t- I've talked to people in different ways, um, especially with students and, and their um, experience um, in like like going to Helen Christian and how, yeah, um, I've heard I've heard it said that like it's harder to be a Christian in a Christian school, which is a very interesting statement. Yep. And I think it, it speaks into wh- when you were saying like when when our faith becomes so normalized and so comfortable and maybe watered down to the point where it doesn't cost something to To be in that context and then try to live it out in a much deeper, real way, it's almost weirder because you're around people who are like we all believe the same thing. Yeah. Why are you so much different? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that's an interesting comparison to to you know different parts of the world where it is so tangible. And yeah. I've wondered to myself, and maybe you can speak into this, of how would it be easier <laughs> to to be a Christian? where I'm persecuted, when I can see that cost, and I can feel that, as opposed to just kind of being in a place where it does feel sometimes lukewarm, um, it's almost harder to rise out of that yeah. than it would be when it's so right in your face.
1: Yeah, so like, it's 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 crazy. Uh, a while ago, the the guy who I mentioned earlier, John John Haramo, who yeah. started the ministry, he said to me, he's like, you know, Neil, of the 130 countries that we're working in right now, he said, you know the United States is the hardest one. It's crazy. And I was kind of like, that's nice of you to say. It's really kind, like to right. give almost that empathy, like, hey, sure. I know this is really... But I was kind of like, we've had brothers and sisters in India, in Pakistan, Afghanistan, and other countries too, who have given their lives for the Lord. We haven't had that in the United States. So he says that to me. I'm kind of like, I don't know if I agree with that. But thanks for the the kind of that like, yeah, like hey you're you know know this it's is hard. hard, we know yeah. it's hard, yeah, that was really kind, and we were at a retreat in Atlanta, and it was a bunch of us in, from the north- from like our team in North America together um but our guy who oversees the work in Pakistan and Afghanistan he's Pakistani. He had blasphemy charges against him in Pakistan, so a while ago he was able to flee the country. He lived in a refugee place for a while, and then the UN relocated him to Houston, Texas. We were hoping the UN would relocate him to some other, you know, Muslim, primarily Muslim country, because um, he knows how to minister in that context. Mm-hmm. But they they moved him to Houston, and so he joined that retreat that we were having in Atlanta, and here we are, all of us from. North America complaining about how hard this is. This is so hard, this is so hard, and he's just sitting there quiet. So this is the guy who oversees the work where in the past six years, he's had 70 of his leaders martyred. He's got to coach many of them, train them. He's had to call their families when they heard that they died. Those people will never see injustice, or they will never see justice, Mm -hmm. you know, for what happened he's been at the point of almost like nervous breakdown from time to time, just from like, because so, he feels guilty because he's like, I coached them. I, they they stepped out. It, it's, and um, we're at this thing, and we're all complaining about how hard this is, and he's <laughs> just sitting there quiet. Yeah. And so at a, at a lunchtime, I asked him, I'm like, his name's Pervez, and I'm like, Pervez, what goes through your mind when we all say, this is so hard here? And what he said really surprised me. He said, you know, it makes me feel a lot better. And I was like, what do you mean? And, and he said, you know, when I was in Pakistan and even doing the work now here and stuff in Pakistan, he's like, over there, I can find people who will give their lives for Jesus. Now that I'm here in Houston and trying to do the same stuff in my backyard here, I can't find people here who will. Mm-hmm. And he's like, so it makes me feel a lot better when I hear that you guys are having a hard time finding the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I was mm-hmm. like, whoa. And so there's different kinds of hard. Yeah. You know, there's hard of like what he's had to do and, and all that stuff. But there's been such, I, like I could talk about all the numbers and stuff we're seeing over there. The fruit yeah. that has come from brothers and sisters willing to give their all is incredible but here in the western context it's hard to Mm -hmm. find those who are willing to so to your point of doing that in the lukewarm context there's different kinds of hard but here it's hard to find those people who will give their all
0: what is in your mind how what is the church's role in that as as we we exist in this context in this time and place um in yeah. the year twenty twenty. Yeah. Um what do you see in you know you're a part of a big life is not a church and it's not it doesn't work necessarily as an organization like a church would, but yeah. um, you know, we we've we've talked about and I I continue to just rest in um the knowledge that, you know, the church is set up by Jesus Christ, who is the cornerstone of the church. And so Amen. we should be partnering with His Spirit to do this work, yeah. um, and for whatever reason, sometimes we feel like um, it's hard to do that um, through maybe the organization of the Church, or, or whatever that is. Yeah. Um, from from your eyes, from your vantage point, like, how do you see the Church, d- um, you know, moving forward in, in these conversations, and, and moving forward in living this out in, in a context that we just said is can be difficult?
1: Yeah. I, I think the the temptation for us as the church in the Western context is to water things down to just make it more palatable to more people. Mm-hmm. That is constantly our, our temptation. And I think that temptation is going to even grow with the whole COVID stuff and now trying to get people to engage in media senses and stuff, because uh, we'll see how things all unfold with all this COVID stuff. But for the time being, I think, you know, to— to, to even water it down more to get people to to watch our yeah. live streams or to listen to our whatever is to water stuff down. And, and the truth is, though, is I think we, we owe it to one another as Bible-believing Christians to speak about, like, what does... what does full devotion, true devotion look like? And not that any of us are going to be perfect in it. That's why we need grace. That's why we need mercy. But it doesn't mean we get to lower the bar of Scripture so we can actually clear it. Mm -hmm. The truth is none of us can can meet the standard Scripture sets. There's only one who did. Mm -hmm. So it forces us to live into more grace and more mercy, because But it doesn't, I I think we're tempted as the church in the West to lower the bar to things we can actually attain so that we can feel better about ourselves like we're doing it instead of realizing the bar is really high. Let's keep striving for that. Mm -hmm. But praise the Lord, His grace and His mercy is there as we all fall short of Mm -hmm. it. But I think for us then as the church, it's not to lower that bar, it's actually to keep it to the height that Scripture sets it at, Mm -hmm. and to say, let's strive for that, let's pursue that, let's be holy as Jesus is holy. Guess what? None of us can do that. (laughs) But it doesn't mean we get to be holy as Neil is holy or holy as somebody else is holy. No, let's be holy as Jesus is holy, and then let's... But (laughs) that's where I, I think we owe it to one another as the Church to really express following Jesus means... The totality of one's life on the altar. And that is, that is the bar. That's Romans 12. Mm -hmm. Make your lives a living. Well, I I shouldn't start there. It says, in view of God's mercy, that's where, the view of His mercy and His grace, make your lives a living sacrifice. And so that is like, it's not that we're earning the salvation But it is to say, now therefore that we have been baptized, coming up in that newness of life, what does the pursuit of God look like? It looks like the totality of our lives on that altar. And there is the bar. We're all going to fall short of it, but we don't get to lower that. And I think the more that we can actually live into discipling people into that, making that the aim, the expectation... Instead of some other smaller metrics of hey let's go to church on Sunday or hey let's give some money into the plate mm-hmm. or hey let's be a part of this there there's a difference between setting those things as our goals so then when we get people who go to church we we've arrived no we haven't mm-hmm. you know we arrived first by the grace of God and now we're growing into that bar of the totality of our lives on the altar. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, I think the more we can be disciples who are being pressed into that individually yeah. while simultaneously walking with people to see them live into yeah. that, and then see them teaching those who they are walking with live into that, all wrapped up in the grace of God. Yeah. Otherwise, it can get legalistic, and you can right. get all that stuff pretty, pretty quick. Yep. Yep. But to me, I think we can learn to live into that better, as as the church, yeah.
0: S- and I think you 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 used a word, um, or maybe you didn't, but um, I'm just thinking about the, the personal decision. I think that this requires of us. Like, yeah. we can you know we can decide that we want to be disciples of Jesus. We can decide that we want to show up to our to our Sunday mornings, show up to our Wednesday night programs, you know, whatever that is. Um, I almost feel like there is a, a, a h- posture of your heart that almost has to be shifted in a pretty major way to live into this. Like you can't just be like, cool. Yeah. Let's go make disciples. <laughs> Yay, like that sounds great. Woo. You know, like no, that. Cause what, yeah. cause what, cause like you, like we've been talking about, like there is a cost to that and yeah. you have to be willing and, um, acknowledging of the fact that like, it's not going to be just a walk in the park and it's, yeah. there are going to be some things in your life that, I remember one of the phrases that Dean used last week was like, "There are probably some things that you enjoy more that you're going to have to give up or yeah. whatever that is." So, and I, I feel like that's a decision that comes from a very deep sp- spiritual place. Yeah. Um. And I'm tr- just trying to think about this, um, like like for myself or for people yeah. like in a similar stage of life that I am. Wh- wh- what what I guess how to, it's almost like what. How do you actually make that decision? What what leads to you having that change of heart? I I yeah. know that like, um, I think having conversations like this and hearing stories and like having that perspective is is important. But how, how have you experienced walking with people? When have they made that decision? What are the things that are a part of that spiritual yeah. journey for them?
1: Yeah. So what you, what you're talking about there is is something we almost refer to as we call it like the big first step. Hmm. And so um, what I what I mean by that is like. It's not to reiterate things I've already said a couple of times in repeat, but um, basically, as we come to the Lord now, when a person goes into baptism, they're dying to themselves, and now they're stepping in newness of life. That is a big step. There is a mm-hmm. huge cost there, and we owe it to the people we're walking with to share with them the reality of what they're stepping into in that. And the truth is, is that step is really big, and in my opinion, it can only be done by the Spirit. There is nothing of the flesh that desires that step, okay? So that is a spiritual endeavor. For a person to say yes to that, to take that step of sacrifice of one's life, the uh-huh. flesh isn't sitting there saying, "Yay, yeah. here
0: we go." Well, and that's almost freeing to think about it that way because yes. it brings acknowledgement to the fact, like, "Yeah, I shouldn't actually want this." You yes, know? And it, but it not is wrong with it me? Is, yes,
1: know? but it is the spirit within a person that's saying, "Yes, let's kill the flesh." Yeah. You know, it's a really blunt way to say it, but sure. it's true. But um, it is the spirit that's saying that. So we are looking to partner with the spirit within people that is saying that to them and that is what gives them the strength to takes to take that step even of baptism the death of oneself but now i think this is where we as the church are trying to give a small step that we feel like people can actually take in the flesh Mm -hmm. in that i think is a is a scary is a scary thing because we're trying to partner with the flesh to take steps and so Instead, I think we want to partner with the Spirit to see a much larger step taken, but there still then is sanctification and growth that takes place Mm -hmm. as a person continues to walk with the Lord. And so now when a person, when you sit down with that person, to have that conversation of like, do you know what you're saying yes to right now when you want to follow Jesus? And we've had that conversation. People will be like, I want to follow Jesus. And we'll be like, are you sure? (laughs) Because that, in my opinion, is what Jesus did to that whole group of people, you know, that that large crowds. He's saying, hold on, are are you sure? Stop and count the cost of building this tower. And so now when they then stop and really process that and they say, yes, like, Mm -hmm. praise the Lord, let's baptize you. You believe in Jesus as the forgiver of your sins. You know what you're being baptized into. It's a newness of life. And then I've had people who call me later who've been crying because they're like following Jesus is is really hard. And you know what? Yes, at times it is really hard when the hardships, the trials, the persecutions, the sufferings of many kind of many kinds come. There there is a hardship. And so now when they call you crying and they're like this or this happened, you empathize with them because you've walked through those hardships too, but then you say, "I know, but even when we talked about it, this is what we knew we were signing up for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this shouldn't come as an entire surprise.
0: Right.
1: When they said yes to that big cost early on, they said yes to that big step. I do realize they are saying yes to in theory. They haven't experienced they it. They haven't experienced it. That's the big difference, you know? But then when they do experience some of those costs, whatever those are, um, you empathize with them. You love mm-hmm. them. You yourself probably have walked through some of those and you say, I know I've been there too. This really, mm-hmm. really stinks. Mm-hmm. But this is what we signed up for. Yeah. And now in the hardship of that cost, by the Spirit, we still can find peace. We still can find joy. And now those are interesting things to walk with people in to Help them know that while your fat, while your flesh is continually being sacrificed and being destroyed, mm-hmm. um, and that's not fun. That's right. not fun for right. anyone. Right. In the spirit, the fruit of the spirit is love, and joy, mm-hmm. and peace, and patience. That even while the flesh is being destroyed, and that's really hard, there still is the spirit that's resounding in one's person that can still find those yeah. things.
0: I think that's the right the right perspective to have that's, that's difficult. Like you said, when, when you are, when your flesh is being killed, like that yeah. is painful. And yet I think what we believe in is that there is such a greater hope in who we can be in Christ. That is like so yeah. far beyond what we can imagine and what yeah. the world sees um, in a human that like we get to be a part of if we go through yeah. this and do this. And I think the, the reward um, of, of, bringing that to other people and raising yep. up disciples who are bringing that to other disciples yep. and to be part of that process. I mean, there's I don't think there's anything more fulfilling than that. Yep. But we have to we have to kill our flesh to yes. do it. In in that's where honestly a really just like nuts and
1: bolts sort of thing is as we go and become disciple makers with that person you get the privilege of walking with in discipling them and mentoring them. Whatever language you want to use for that. I think is to really even before you engage with that with them have that conversation mm-hmm. of do you know what you're signing up for you like we're not signing up for the broad road we're signing up for the narrow one mm-hmm. like it, it says I believe it's John 12:24 well well f- first even with that Almost all of us who profess Christ want to go and see multiplication. We want to see an abundance of the kingdom going forward and a multiplying. But according to the scriptures, I think we forget that in order to get that, there must be death. John twelve twenty four says that unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it goes on to bear much mm-hmm. fruit. A lot of us want multiplication. Not many of us want death. And the truth is, is that you can't get the one without the other. And so with the people we're walking with, even in discipling, I think it's a... Jesus, when he turned to those crowds and had that conversation accounting the cost, I don't think he was, like, mad at them. I I don't believe he was, like, harping on them. Mm -hmm. You know, he didn't come down. He wasn't like... I I don't think he was judgmental. I think it truly was a thing of love from Jesus to those crowds. Because he knew what following him would look like. Mm -hmm. So he's like, I love you too much to hide from you where this is going to Mm -hmm. lead you. Are you sure you want to follow me? Because I love you so much. I don't want to say, we're signing up for this amazing endeavor. It's going to be awesome. Yay, Mm -hmm. here we go. And then all of a sudden you realize your your family ostracizes you. You've lost everything you have. They want to kill you. And so I really believe it's a matter of love for us to yeah. share with those who we're going to disciple. This is the
0: journey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You get what I mean, like. Absolutely. So I think as we as we just continue in this idea and continue these conversations as a body, I think we just want to be aware of the fact that so many of us are coming from different starting points, maybe in our just even probably our, our spiritual maturity, our relationship with Christ, like we're all in such different places. Um, and I think something that's been encouraging to me um, in actually talking with Keith Dornbos um, about some of these ideas is that you don't have to have it all figured out, just like you shared, Neil. Like all you need <laughs> yeah. to be is like one step further yeah. than somebody yeah. else. And like, even you talking about this, like, you know, I need to like, I need to like, <laughs> I. you have this feeling in yourself, like, man, I'm not ready for this. Like I'm not ready to disciple someone when in reality it's like, We're just all in this together, and you just got to be one step further. Yep.
1: Yeah, that is—I think also that's just another lie that we've adopted is this lie that I got to go and be— elevated to a certain point before I can go do this thing of disciple-making. And that's
0: what leads to, like, kind of we, we stay in this cognitive space where we've got to learn yeah. more and more and more. More yep. and more theory,
1: and we we read a bunch of books, we listen to a bunch of podcasts and all this stuff. Yep. Truthfully, the best way to learn how to do it is to go and do it and yep. give yourself the room to fail, Yep. you know? And so, like, and it will happen. Like, a lot of people think in order to step into some disciple-making, you got to be Billy Graham before you go do it. Sure. You won't be, yeah. but instead, to allow yourself to be faithful with the little right now, yeah. and then allow yourself
0: to grow in becoming better as you do it. Yep. So as we um, as we just grow in that and grow in Jesus, uh, we just want to have uh, a few questions for you to be to be asking yourselves, to maybe be asking each other um, about some of these ideas. Um, and these are meant really just to get us to think, I think, about where we are and what are some of the ways that we can take that next step, um, in discipling and, and being disciples of Jesus. Um, so here, here's a question here, just maybe like a few of these that I'll read for us, um, just to kind of be pondering. Um, who is intentionally discipling, discipling you Mm -hmm. and who are you intentionally discipling? Can you, can you point that out? Um, uh, according to the four circles, um, those four different um, sizes of, of maybe social circles that you have in your life that Toby shared on Sunday, um, on how Jesus gathered with people, um, which of those areas in your life needs more attention? Um, and with that, what action step can you take this week to maybe address that? Um, which of the four values that we have on the wall there, word, worship, community, and mission, do you feel the most confident in? Um And then which of those do you feel is the most lacking and what steps can you take to address that? And then just finally, I think, um, I think the spirit is, is the best source of discerning and, um, convicting than, than Neil and I can say. So I think as we've been talking through these, as we've been um, invited to, to be a part of this, um, how has the Holy spirit been speaking you and invited you to obey and put this into practice? I think Mm -hmm. that is probably the most important thing. Um, and I think maybe the overall word to me that this is, is bringing up in my heart is just obedience. Like this is just being obedient. Um, and I think taking that step of obedience, like we've said, it's going to, it's going to be costly. It's going to require something maybe for us to give up. Um, but the joy of walking with Jesus and and making disciples of Jesus is, I mean, it's worth the cost. Mm-hmm. Um, Luke eleven twenty eight says, "Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it." Um, and I think what what Neil has shared is that there is um, in our in our context in Western Michigan, it it may feel. Um, like we're you know, we got it all together pretty much. Like we we live in a pretty Christian, you know, quote I'm doing air quotes, you can't see me, but air yeah. quotes <laughs> Christianized community. Um but uh even even the circles that you're in right now, I think we we need more and we need more disciples and we need to evaluate um in our own lives like how am I a part of that mission? Um and I think what a beautiful thing to be able to partner with an entire body and an entire church and walk forward in it together and not have to feel like you have to do this alone. Um, that's the most encouraging thing for me is to know that like I have partners, you know, I have people that are walking on this journey with me. Um, so I just want to thank you, Neil for sharing um, what's going on with your life, <laughs> what's going on and in, in, in big life and um, any, just any final ideas for us as we, as we wrap up. No, just, uh, yeah, I, I,
1: nothing, nothing specific yeah, that comes yeah. to mind. Just thanks for, thanks for having me. It's, Absolutely. It's, a, it's awesome to hear of other brothers and sisters in the Lord that are really desiring to push into being disciples
0: who make disciples. Yeah, So yeah. Well, thanks for, thanks for tuning in this week. Um, we'll be back next week with another episode of On Your Way Out. We'll see you next week.